Welcome back to Call Me By Your Game, the podcast where I, your host, Connor McCabe, bring on a guest to talk about a meaningful video game from their past. On the show, we talk as much about what may play in the game special, memorable, and fun for our guest as we will around the context of how and when uh, they fell in love with it uh, for this this meaningful time they're coming to talk about. Um that's what the show is. But a little housekeeping up top is there are a few ways to support the show. Uh, you should definitely check us out on social media, both on Instagram at Call Me By Your Game Pod and on Twitter at Call Me By Your Game. But on Twitter, there's just one Y, so that's B Y O U R. Um, there you can see the episodes that we have come out every time we release them weekly. You can learn about our guests and how to support them, and even see the cool art that I make every gosh darn week for the show. You can also support us a few different ways by giving us a five-star rating and review on the Apple Podcast Store. Um, I say that one because that is uh, what will help uh, drive up our visibility. And also, if you leave a review uh, and it's nice, I'll read it on the show. And thankfully, we only have nice ones so far. So it odds are pretty good for you. Um, you can share the show with a friend, whether they love video games in general um, or the game we're discussing for our main event today with our guest. And lastly, you can check us out on Patreon. We're over at patreon.com slash super NPC radio, where there's not only uh, bonus content from this show that you get by subscribing, but bonus content from the creators of Video Games, a comedy show, the reactivators and inside video games and gaming. So it's truly just a huge ecosystem of uh, really fun and unique video game podcasts, uh, including a monthly version of this show, the co-op episode, where I sit down with a group of people uh, in a similar way and talk about a meaningful game to the group of us. Um, the one that we just released for uh, June at the end of June was Portal 2. Uh, and coming up uh, this month, uh, the, the game will be announced soon. By next episode, I will have settled. There's, I'm choosing between two. Whichever I don't choose is getting, is getting August. So uh, you can check that out again at patreon.com slash super NPC radio. Um, That'll do it for the housekeeping of the show. And I can finally introduce uh, our guest for today. So please welcome to the microphone, the, the long awaited Ari Grab. How are you, my friend? Hello, Connor. Good, good housekeeping up front. Good housekeeping. You know what? Not enough people say it. And Ari, I got to say, you're starting off on the right foot, bud. <laughs> I, I used to do a podcast for a while and housekeeping, it's harder than it looks. It's, yeah, it's hard not to get bored of it. It's hard to mm -hmm. stick with it. Uh, you know, confidently and like it's the most yeah. entertaining part of your show. I get so self-conscious. I'm just like, sorry, I have to do this. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't stop listening. Um, yeah, uh, you know how it is. You've been there. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, Ari, I'm so glad to have you on the show. This is uh, truly a long time coming. I probably talked to you about this show a little over two years ago at this point. Yeah, um, and I, but, I don't think I've told you this, but I've always, I had a, not too similar idea but i've always oh, really i i wanted to do a twitch stream for a while where i would i would get someone to play a game that they really liked oh. and reminisce about it while they played oh uh, that's great this is this is similar i i like the idea of a a more sentimental video game podcast oh thank you yeah and you know it's it's for it's one of those shows that like there could be even be a similar version out there it's not the most unique idea but it was something that uh for, the, for a while, you know, when we were, especially back when we were doing uh, video games, a comedy show together, 
Um, mm-hmm. We like I the more I started to do that, the more I knew that I wanted to have my own show. And then it took some time. And then after spending time with a friend uh, like who I had, who was not a gamer anymore, but she loved Donkey Kong Country and like saw my Super Nintendo classic and was like, oh, is that a D- DK Country on it? And I just saw this world open up for her and was like, oh, this is mm. the show is like hearing from people. And we used to have a video element back when we would do these in person. So I think for the first like 15 episodes of the show, <laughs> approximately, there's a footage of me uh, watching my guests play the gamer and sometimes playing with them if it was like Guitar Hero. Oh, so you did do that. We did. That would be like a half hour video we'd put out on YouTube. Um, and then the show would be, the podcast would be uh, supplemental, basically. But the podcast is still the main event. Mm. So yeah, there's a little, there's some, it's on our YouTube channel, which I used to promote, but now I don't because we haven't posted new content in over two years. Uh, <laughs> but that being said, um, thank you. Uh, and I'm glad to have you on. I talked about to you about this a while ago. I know you uh, through our mutual friend, Jeremy Schmidt. We used to go on Video Games a Comedy Show in its early days together. And in fact, I believe that, well, there's two things I remember about doing that show with you, Ari. One is that, well, first, there's three, actually. One is that uh, you got to believe. Uh, <laughs> the, the second one my is phrase, I guess, that Jeremy picked for me. Yeah, it's your unchosen uh, catchphrase. Uh, I also, you were on the first episode I ever did of his show. I remember you had like brought over, like you had some food that you were eating. I just remember the food you were eating because it was right before we got on mic. Maybe it was like yellow curry or something like that. Something very good. Um, but that was, that was, I remember meeting you that day. Although I think I had seen you do improv with Jeremy too. Um, um, my, my only two impressions from that podcast were not that interesting or flattering. I was eating food and I had a catchphrase <laughs> that I didn't even pick or say, well, Hey, you know what? Maybe in your eyes, it wasn't interesting and flattering, <laughs> but to me, I was like, who is this man of mystery here? Well, I knew who you were for a while. Actually. I, was I, it from TNT from TNT? Yeah. I was going mm. to, you know, the old tuesday night thunder when thunderstruck was oh wow yes the hosts and then one day the interns were the hosts and uh, yes i remember all those lost boys wanting you guys to suck because they felt (laughs) like something was being taken away from them but i i'm proud to say that i was never on that hate train i was like i'm so glad these guys are gonna be legends in no time just you Uh, wait so kind of you i i remember uh our my co-showrunner of that one of our many Kosher runner Sam Horwitz, who you do you know Sam as well? Probably he was I, one I of like I the do. jammers too. Yeah, so he ended yeah, up taking yeah, over the jam now. itself. Um, but he would t- told he was like, Man, there's a lot of people in this like jam chat that are like really don't like us for whatever reason. And we were like, Well, they don't even know us, so who cares? We'll figure <laughs> it out. But yeah, um, so okay, so yeah, you because I you were definitely familiar before we before we even did that show. Oh, oh, you know, I should also add to that. I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't hate the interns. Something about you. I was always incredulous about, I was like, <laughs> oh, that guy looks too confident. Look at that mustache. What a, you know what? what a piece of shit. But then I met you and I was like, well, once again, I was wrong. He's incredibly <laughs> kind. It's incredible. I was very insecure about, in, about improv back then and everything else too, but mostly improv. Hey, but you know what? It's uh, it's only with reflection that we have the chance to look back on these things in our lives. Yep, so look at us yep, now. Yeah. Um, the the other thing I wanted to uh, re- like my 
one of my most favorite memories of doing that show with you was you were on the first ever episode um, that we did. We do these uh, quarterly, essentially what they are, are like Desert Island meets fantasy sports drafts of video games. I remember this. And Ari was was on the first one we ever did. They're called the Space Solace episodes. And we it was the N64. It was just four of us on that episode. We usually we do them with six now because it's more fun to talk about more games. And if you're if you have six people on, it's likely you're gonna get less of the ones you really love. So it it it's fun Fire to have stakes. the the high the stakes, the people getting mad at each other. Um, but you I remember you got Super Mario 64, I'm pretty sure. And I think you I do. You also got, I wanna say Super Smash, and I don't remember all your picks, but I wanna say you took Donkey Kong 64 because you it was like you were like this game's a mess and there's a lot of stuff to collect but we're gonna be in space for a while so this is the perfect game <laughs> yep 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 yes. yeah good memory i i remember ninja not gaiden mystical ninja was also on that list oh, that's nice. a game i never beat as a mm. kid and always still really want to yeah i've I've never even actually touched a mystical ninja, but um, I have a friend who who's also a, one of my long time coming episodes on the show. Who, if I can get him on, wants to talk about um, I think uh, the Legend of Go- or the Legend of the Mystical Ninja, starring Goemon. For the, the so if that's I know there's two on the sixty four. So if that's yeah, it. I don't know which ones. I think that one's it, and it's a good one. I will, yeah. I will listen to that one. Um, so if I get him on, uh, we'll do it. But I, anyway, just to remember having a lot of fun with you on that show and that episode in particular was the first of, I think we've done like 11 of them now. They're, they're the most fun I have in podcasting and you were there at the start, but are you do a lot more than just liking video games, formerly doing a ton of improv and all that jazz, um, mm-hmm. and being on podcasts, uh, tell people about yourself. What have you been up to? Um, who is this, uh, this, uh, man of mystery we have on the show today? Oh man, that's the question that I ask every day in the mirror. Um, <laughs> Existential already. <laughs> well, by a trade and by hobby, I am an animator. I, yeah. I usually work in 2D television. I've done shows on Adult Swim and FX and everything kind of here and there. Yeah. And I have some stuff on YouTube that I make just for fun. I have a web series called Bento Banana that I'm super, super about it. Uh Actually, some of the some of what I love about the game we're going to talk about is also kind of evident in Bento. Oh, Banana. cool! So I love it. Well, maybe we'll get into that. Outside of animating, uh, well, you know, I game. Yeah, there. I am a gamer. Um, I, I have, have a feeling. Yeah, I have a meditation practice as well. I've been pretty heavily into that for the past. I think f- like I mean, maybe for five years, I've gotten pretty serious about that. Like a personal, like a sort of a regiment that you stick to for meditation or like you have like a, like sort of a chiropractic practice, but for meditation. I don't know what that latter one means. Well, as in like, you don't, you have as like a it's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, all well, we have, it's unfortunate, but like about 70% of our base are chiropractors and there they go. Um, no more of, I was just, I think I know the answer is that you probably meditate a lot and it's become something uh, personal to you that you do every, like almost every day or frequently. Mm-hmm. And the other thing was like, uh, it's like a doctor opening a practice. Like they call it a practice, but it's like their sort of not even their office, but their, I can't even. Oh, come oh I know what you mean by practice now. Oh, yes. I, I, 
I have done some coaching and I want to do more oh, cool. in the future. Uh, I have some aspirations and plans for that, but, uh, but right now it's mostly, I, I am mostly a student. I am mostly learning. Cool. Awesome. Uh, very cool, Ari. Um, well, we have a lot to talk about today, but before we get into your personal history with video games, because I want to hear all about it, um, would you mind introducing the game we're going to be discussing for the main event later? Yes, the main, oops, the game we are going to be talking about is Undertale by Toby Fox. Cannot wait. Um, I had a little extra pause there because I uh, had not finished swallowing my LaCroix. It kind of bubbled up in my throat. Um, something the listener definitely wanted to know about. But uh, Ari, I'm really excited to hear from you uh, on this game. It's going to be a lot of fun, especially you preparing for the episode. Um, I'm really excited. Um, but let's do it. Let's talk about your history with games, like not Undertale related. Uh, do you remember when you first took an interest in video games or were they something that was just sort of around um, when you gained consciousness? <laughs> I, the first memory I really have is I, I want to say my cousins had a Super Nintendo and I thought it cool. was so awesome. And I, I don't even know if this was a, like a rule or there was any conversation that was had between me and my parents. I just kind of remember assuming oh, I'll never have one of these because I don't have any self-control. Yes. They would never give me this. If I gained access to this this power, I would just destroy the world. Yeah, I'm not, I don't have the responsibility for this. Yeah. So I just kind of lived my childhood life under the assumption that I would never have a console for some reason. Wow, Um, so funny. And then around when I was seven years old, the Nintendo 64 came out. Now we're and talking. I went, I went to my my friend Eli Heller's house. Oh, first name drop of the episode. First and last name. And uh, he <laughs> had a Nintendo 64. And I was just obsessed with it. He had Mario on it. Oh, and I man. remember just like, I, I, I couldn't have played it more than once or twice at his house. But I would just tell people about it all yes. the time. It just, it blew my mind. But I was also just like, it's too bad I'll never have one. <laughs> and then one day my dad called me outside to our front yard. He popped open the trunk of his car and there it was. No. And I just, I just became that kid in the YouTube videos going, Oh my God. And, just, <laughs> and my, it changed the course of my life. Wow. That Amazing. is, um, so, I mean, I'm sure kids get just as excited about video games today, but because that we are, you know, so close in age and we grew up during the 64 era, that was like the console of our, like the one that was, that debuted during our actual childhood. We were too yeah. young for like, we, we both played the Super Nintendo, it sounds like, but like once we could functionally play a game, the 64 was out and man was that special did it do you remember did did it come with mario did it come with another game i don't know if it came in a package that my dad bought but i you know he didn't just buy me the console was like figure it out no he he got me mario too awesome i love i love it mine um i ended up getting one for christmas of 1998 and i did my parents got me mario separately but my console came with a game i've discussed on this uh on this show i'll do a little cross promotion really quick um 
two years ago, I did a call me by your ball game series where once a month over the summer, I highlighted a meaningful baseball game to me. And we're doing that again this year. But the first year, I think our first episode, we talked about uh, uh, major league baseball presents Ken Griffey jr. Um, so that came with my console. So oh. I love hearing like, and I got a, the second controller cause they came with two back then it was a gray controller. And then it came with a black controller, which is, cool but i wanted like blue or red or something hmm. um do you remember what other controller came with yours i i mean i remember the standard gray one and i think yeah. late, later we got some other awesome crazy colored octopus controllers but there we go yeah the, i those. i still can't hold the controller properly <laughs> you had it. <laughs> i can i can wreck people playing smash bros still but i yes. don't i don't hold the controller properly do you so you don't hold like the right and center one. Do you hold the left one and use the stick? This is going to be hard to explain with audio, <laughs> but I'll do my, so, you know, it has three little octopus legs, right? The joysticks yes. in the middle. I grab the middle octopus leg with yes. my right hand. I put, I use my left hand to like move the joystick around and then quickly like like claw my hand over to the buttons on the on the right I, side. I wish I truly this is the most disappointed I've ever been that the listener can't actually see what we're talking about because <laughs> the display Ari just put on was uh, quite impressive and very uh, humorous to me. That's that's awesome. I remember it's like you're using a fight a stick. I remember being at a friend's house and uh, I was, I mean, for like a nine-year-old, yeah. very good at Super Smash Brothers and just wrecked house there. And my friend's little brother was just like looking at how I was holding the controller <laughs> and being like, that must be the key to his glory. And like tried to learn it the same way. He's like, no, this doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah, that technique was uh, made for you and you alone, I think. Yep. No other human should try it. Uh, <laughs> Where did you grow up, by the way? Are you from L.A.? Are you from somewhere else? Yeah, L.A. County. I grew oh, up cool. in the Torrance area, mainly yeah. in Palos Verdes most of my life. Yep. Nice. I had a friend, um, a close friend who I grew up with who actually lived in Torrance for like uh, maybe a year, for like a year after we went to college. Um, so I'm a little familiar, but very cool. Um, so you get this N64 um, right. I know that you have some, uh, are, are there a couple other games that were highlights outside of smash for you? Yeah. Well, I mentioned the first game I owned and the first game I ever beat was Mario 64. Yeah. And I mean, that was, that was, that's a special one that, that, I mean, I know you already had someone talk about that. But yeah. That could have been mine, man. I, I beat that game on my birthday around like surrounded by friends who were all just like, you have to beat it at my house now. It was uh, <laughs> as a as a very awkward kid who was never really good at stuff. Yeah, this was the first thing I was good at. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and I think as a result of that, I've kind of developed this theory that a part of what makes people really attracted to video game characters is this sort of transference of their own success. Uh, onto that character because i mean mario is not really a character he's a he's an avatar that is sort of like a an archetype of your own sense of childhood joyous wonder and adventure yeah you know what just i mean very similar to link uh exactly and and let's be real it's a lot more likely that i'll be a plumber in my lifetime than i will be like an adventuring elf guy so uh move aside link mario's the most <laughs> relatable character here 
or class hero there is there there we go um that's yeah that game is so fantastic i gotta know when's your birthday halloween no way the actual day the actual day that is um very special and and spooky but we're we're both scorpios then i'm like i'm november 15th so i'm almost exactly two weeks after you oh wow yeah yeah scorpio brother so right around there um very cool always knew we were tied together uh okay so maybe after this time um how did your gaming journey develop after the n64 where did you take where did you get taken after that yeah good question how do well i i would say primarily i was a nintendo kid i had i had a playstation i liked that a lot nice my brother had an xbox so i you know i got to play halo but i couldn't tell you many other good xbox games besides that well, you're uh, not alone. <laughs> yeah, not not my not my console. Too broy, too rock star, yeah. <laughs> too monster energy. Especially that first one, man. <laughs> <laughs> PlayStation is a is an amazing console, and I think I've actually kind of grown a um, kind of like a little bit of a FOMO relationship with it recently. But but the Nintendo OG. Nintendo is great. Yeah, I mean PS one and two, and I, yeah. I had those consoles. I just spent way more energy with. Mm. Nintendo those IPs are just so I was a very like I'm an animator and I love cartoons and I think that's what Nintendo kind of made were these really colorful Mm -hmm. appealing um cute but not too cute also cool characters yeah definitely So, so yeah GameCube was um it's hard for me to pick like what rocked my world more n64 n64 or gamecube yeah but yeah like that was that was i would say gamecube is like the next big journey yeah the you know the the gamecube i feel like that whole generation but for me i was also a cube kid so this it was the more personal one that was i feel like the premise and the idea of 3d gaming that we got on the 64 and in some ways the playstation as well um, and, and you could say the Saturn if you want, um, but we'll leave that out of the discussion. <laughs> um, but the next generation, the GameCube, PS2, Xbox, that was the realization of that premise. And I feel like mm-hmm. they f- executed a 3D gaming really arrived there and evolved after that. So um, I can, yeah, it's hard to pick between those two. N64 still my most personal favorite console because of nostalgia, but the cube's right there. Um <laughs> What are some uh, highlights on the on the cube for you? We don't have to go through every console, but I do want to know about that one. Sure, man. Let's see. Uh, I mean, Melee was the big one. I there, I don't think there are many games I've put more hours into than Melee. Same here. Yeah, I was never like a wave dasher or anything. Yeah, but uh, because you know, I just didn't know anyone that good. There was no reason to become a Smash God when yeah. your primary opponent is your babysitter. <laughs> <laughs> but man man sheila was great um yeah <laughs> well we actually me and my brother would play this game because you know she wasn't good but uh if you put her at handicap level nine uh and she picked bowser every time uh it was a yes. challenge so we actually got really good at fighting her that way yeah that's i would play against my best friend and his older brother growing up and they were both better than me so that that helped me get good so anytime i played anyone else i was usually very competitive but or would try playing like level nine, a couple level nine computers at the same time. And they're brutal in that game. So, okay. So smash bros for you. Do you have a main in melee? If you had to pick, 
Um, in Melee, eh? I, I think at the time, I mostly played Mario. And that was because I was kids. Before the internet, if there was a rumor about a game, you had no way to check it. So yeah. when people told me that if you beat the game on very hard with without losing a stock, you'd unlock Metal Mario. <laughs> I took it to the test. Yes. <laughs> uh, and as a result, I got very good with Mario. Yeah. Can't confirm if Metal Mario exists or not because uh, I never was able to beat the game, but, you know, got close, close yeah. enough to wreck house. The, that was the game I think they even introduced because Metal Mario was a boss in, in 64 or in like the classic mode. But yes. then they think you could actually become metal in that game by hitting like the metal block. Right, right. Yeah, it, was, it was a power effort. I should, I should actually say, I made, I made it simpler. I heard that rumor in the N64 game. There we so go. So I got really good with Mario in that game. And those skills just carry over, carried over enough into Melee that I'm yeah. like, well, I'm still really good with this character. Yeah, a lot of the same, uh, I think, fundamentals for the, a lot of those classic characters. Okay, um, uh. Okay, so how about this? After, have you had any like dark or slow periods of gaming in your life? Maybe a dark ages of sorts, mm. or have you been pretty consistent from then until now? That's an interesting question. I, uh, I would actually say maybe lately I play a lot less games mm -hmm. for a number of reasons. Some of some of it is just when you're trying to uh, recreationally create an animation, yeah. you have to be very precious with your time. But the other end of it, and this is kind of getting into some dark territory, is that I feel like my gaming habits are kind of unhealthy and not in a way mm. that's like I play so much of the game, but that it's really easy for me to feel a taste of what that, really good gameplay immersion feels like yeah. and then really grab at it and want it to feel like that more and more and i think a really ugly example of that unfortunately came from breath of the wild hmm. i should say first 30 40 minutes of that game were absolute magic bliss but there came a point when i was very powerful had explored most of the land wasn't finding the challenges anymore hmm. and some people can just you know, ride a horse and look at the landscapes and hear the pretty music and vibe out. But I was, I was jonesing for that feeling of like battle and adventure mm. still. And it made the end of the game very underwhelming in a way that was sad. And Bummer. so that's something I'm thinking about a little bit more. I mean, I'm happy to have the experience to be able to like, know that about myself. Yeah. But it's something I, I still see it. You know, I, I recently played the new Kirby game and I was oh, like, nice. more, more battles. Like, <laughs> it's too easy. This game for children or something. It's Kirby. Make it hard. And don't they have like a hard mode? Like, or like not hard enough. <laughs> not Ferrari. Um, yeah. The I really want to I still need to get to that game. But yeah, I, I just find that even I asked that question because a lot of people even who, who have spent a lot of time in their lives gaming or like me, who's made it a quarter of their personality have mm -hmm. still had periods in my life where I've played a lot less or like not really been active at all. So I was just, uh, I was curious. Okay. I had that with anime. Oh, gotcha. There was a period of time when I was like, 
I don't, I don't, I don't think I like anime that much. And then I, then I remembered, no, it's the best. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you have a, uh, because I don't watch a very much anime at all. Do you have a favorite? Uh, if you had to pick a favorite show or two, uh, what would those shows be? It, I, I'm due for a rewatch, but man, Gurren Lagan is so cool. I couldn't even tell you what that is. <laughs> it's um, what's what's the best, quickest, easiest sell? It's um, I don't really watch a lot of mech anime, but this is like a very absurd very extreme very spiritual heightened mech anime made by one of my favorite animation studios oh wow and just is there only one season yeah yeah oh wow i'm i mean i did a little google and here it is a lot of the greats are usually about 27 episodes oh man that's that's cool. Have you discovered, uh, have you watched a new anime recently that you hadn't uh, checked, gotten the chance to check out that you've liked? Um, was it this year or last year? This year I watched a new one called Odd Taxi. And I wouldn't put it as like one of my all-time favorites, but really good and very different than a lot of other anime I've seen. It's, it's, it feels like more of a, of a noir. It's like taxi mixed with Animal oh. Crossing. Oh, interesting. That's cool. <laughs> That's yeah. a good it's uh, a good sell for the listeners of this show. Yeah, um, yeah. Okay, very cool. Well, the last question uh, that I uh, have for you before we uh, take a quick break um, uh, for an ad, for an ad for the Patreon is: uh, Has there been a game that you've played um, in the last uh, maybe year or two that uh, has had a, an impact on you, or that you've really enjoyed? Oh yeah. Yeah, in fact, it was the other game I almost wanted to talk about. Oh, it was, what was uh, it, what was that? The Danganronpa franchise. Oh yes, yeah. We've talked a little bit about this recently. What were those on? Were they on Vita, or am I thinking of a different series? They, I believe they were, but I, I played them on the PS4. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, are they I, like a visual novel sort of? Yeah, they are yeah. A visual novel. I, not the first I've ever played, but maybe the first proper visual novels I've okay. played. I don't, Doki Doki is a strange first visual novel to have on your record, but it's mine. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, and Rapa is a little more, I don't even know how to say it. I've heard it pronounced differently everywhere, but I, I say Rapa because that's just but, how I heard it. I feel like that's how I've heard it the most. So, uh, hey, it works for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, yeah, it has some more interactive elements than most visual novels. Okay, what was it about that uh, game that you were that made you even consider, you know, bringing it on for the main event? Maybe I won't say too much in case you ever have me back. Oh, there we go. But just in case you don't, um, <laughs> in case this goes awful, on episode, goes uh, awful. Well, we'll have you back uh, on episode two forty six. So uh, in in uh, everyone gets out of. I'll start having people back next episode after 124. So you're 123. Oh, I um, get it. All right. Yeah, you're going to repeat everything. I'm at the tail end. Cool. Um, <laughs> You'll be my last see. episode. What I liked about it, it's, I mean, I guess really I played it at the right time. Mm. I played it during the pandemic and it's a story about hope versus despair. Mm. And it's, um, it's hard for me to really talk about why it clicked for me without getting very deep into it. Sure. But I had a 
surprising amount of sort of inward growth from playing that game. That game yeah. ended up at by the end feeling like kind of a mirror that I was projecting a bunch of different parts of myself onto and uh, noticing which characters I was resonating with more versus other characters because the hmm. game offers a, you know, in between certain acts throughout the day, you can talk to whichever students you want to learn more about them. It's basically inconsequential. And so I just kept finding it interesting why there were some characters I was more interested in than others and what that said about me. Oh, that's cool. Uh, that has me even more interested of, about the series now. Uh, very cool. Well, Ari, thank you for sharing about uh, Duncan Rampa, but also, you know, your just sort of general history with gaming. I'm sure we could probably could have just done a whole episode on talking about your favorite games from every console you've played. Um, mm -hmm. But that will be for another day. Um, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break and I'm going to give the listener their first heads up now, just in case you happen to be listening in a car and you can't just stop your podcast in an easy spot. We will be uh, there will be spoilers for Undertale. Uh, that come later in this episode. Um, so I want to warn you before the break, just in case you need some time to stop listening right now, in case you don't want anything spoiled, you're going to hear a, uh, a disclaimer like this when we come back as well, but it's your first warning. Um, but for now, we're going to head, we'll, can't even talk. We'll go ahead and take a quick break. And when we come back, we will talk about all things Undertale with Ari. So Ari, I will see you on the other side. See ya. My name is Jeremy Schmidt, and I'd like to tell you about my podcast, Video Games, A Comedy Show. This is, you guessed it, a comedy show about video games. Every episode, a panel of video game-liking comedians discusses a brand new topic, the games they've been playing, and best of all, the news. Are there bits? Arguably way too many. If you like to laugh and or like to play video games, check out Video Games, A Comedy Show anywhere podcasts can be found. Welcome back to Call Me By Your Game, of course, here today with Ari Grab to discuss Undertale. Ari, thanks for sticking around, pal. Yeah, you know, I want to talk about this game, so I was like, I gotta <laughs> wait it out. I gotta wait it out. There was incentive for you to not bail at the break, and I'm, I'm glad that you could see that. Uh, well, hey, I'm really uh, excited to get into this today. Um, the first thing we're going to do is, um, again, listener, this is another warning. We're going to get into some uh, big spoilers for this game. So if you haven't played it or you have and you, you don't know um, what's to come, maybe consider uh, pausing the show and, and reconvening later. But if you don't really care, um, then that is fine. Then just buckle up because we're going to get into it. Um, and for those of you who uh, who maybe aren't familiar with exactly what this game is, uh, but you're still here, you haven't bailed yet, we're going to go ahead and just give you a little history and context of what Undertale is. Ari, um, you know, I could talk about this game and read uh, from the Wikipedia entry and, and re recount from my research, but uh, if you wouldn't mind, would you just give us a, like a, 
just like the basic summary. I know there's we're going to get into a lot, yeah, yeah, but just yeah. like the basic summary of what is this game, Undertale, made in 2015 by Toby Fox. <laughs> do you have the Wikipedia in front of you right now? Um, I can. Uh, yep, now I do. Oh, I just, I just that that date was just so specific. I wondered. Yes, um, <laughs> and correct. Um, Undertale is an independent game created by Toby Fox. It was kickstarted for, I don't remember how much, a pretty small amount of money. It's a game that on the surface appears to be a very conventional RPG Mm -hmm. in the same manner as a game like Earthbound or what have you. As you get deeper into the game, it starts to actually really flip those conventions on its head and becomes something much deeper. I love it. Um, this is, um, I have known about this game for a long time. This is one of, this is probably in the like top, like 1% of games that I will have friends like Jeremy or others be like, you have got to play this game. By this point, you know, I have immersed myself in such the video game culture that, you know, there's, I'm sure there's a lot of, there's, countless details i don't know about this game but i'm pretty familiar with a, with some spoilers and and some stuff that come to, to come so i'm along for the ride ari share mm-hmm. as much as you were going to share before um but i have that's been the thing that's been interested interesting it'd be, it'd to me be a crazy moment if right now you were like so i haven't played the game so don't talk about too yeah, much truly You're uh like, what <laughs> that's something i just i have uh, uh just come to terms with since i started the show is like it doesn't matter what my perspective on the game is. If a guest wants to talk about it, uh, I'm going to have them on uh, and that's fine. So, uh, but the, all that to say is that the most interesting, one of the more interesting parts, aside from, you know, being compared to earthbound in a lot of ways, one of my favorite games of all time um, is that this game turns a lot of RPG and gaming conventions on its head. Um, I love uh, I've even been familiar with, like the art style for a while, how that looks, something that is uh, was actually finally revealed to me once I was, because I've been staying away from this game for a while outside of what I've heard, but doing research last night is the battle system's pretty interesting too. I'm sure we're going to yes. get, there's a lot of specifics we'll get into, um, but it's not like a general, uh, like your typical RPG. You do see in kind of the Dragon Quest format, the enemy in front of you, whoever you're battling. There's a couple interesting things um, about the battle system. One is how it actually works. You're not choosing like uh, ice three or or just like your general sword attack. You're navigating through. I mean, you feel free to describe it as well, but like mini bullet hell sequences. Yeah, exactly. There are yeah that are in like a square, a little box at the bottom of the screen. A a bullet hair sequence to attack or no to uh to dodge against enemy attacks. Yeah. And then uh, jumping ahead a little bit, you can either fight the characters more or less conventionally with a sword or a knife or whatever it is, or you can choose the act function, which is a a variety of things. You can tell them a joke, you can console them give them water, take off their body armor so that their other opponent looks at their chiseled body and becomes attracted to them. So they confess their love. (laughs) Yeah, that's jumping ahead a bit, but yeah. But there's some really interesting creative things you can do with that function. Uh, 
Yeah, which... I, I guess I'll just I'll lay out the groundwork so we can start talking about all that. Please. Because so, yeah, as I had said, I'll, I'll talk about my experience. So it's a little personal and it's a good walkthrough because when I played the game, I went in completely blind. I was given the same honor that Connor gave you, the listener, which was I, I was about to watch a Let's Play of the game because I was like, oh, oh. I'll probably not play it. I'll just watch someone else play it. And they were like, if you have not played this game, consider turning off this video yeah. and playing it. It's very <laughs> special. And I was yeah. like, all right, I'll take your word Message for it. Message received. And man, man, am I so happy they said that. Because um, I went in blind and I played the game the way I play any RPG, which is there are monsters and I fight them. Yeah. And... <laughs> You know, you go through the game playing it this way, and it's fun. It's a really fun game. Um, I remember when I got to the end of the game on that route, I just thought, wow, that was fucking amazing. Um, but there's something weird going on. You kind of notice that when you get to towns in the game, they're vacant. There's sort mm. of a weird kind of a liminal vibe going on. Mm. And then toward the very end of the game, a character who's been around from the beginning, more or less, tells you that you never had to fight any of the monsters <laughs> and no one ever told you you did. It gave you kind of like a format and structure, but you kind of filled in those blanks yourself that you yeah. had to fight all these monsters. And it's, it's a bit of a gut punch. So, you know, you, you, you beat the game that way and you have this very bleak ending. Your character escapes from the underworld that you're trapped in, but all the other characters who you met along the way kind of now have this dystopian life because you killed their king. Oh my gosh, but yeah. But then another character, you know, like who essentially like the most evil little fuck in the game, if you <laughs> spare his life at the end, he'll tell you, you should try playing the game again, but not hurting anyone. Mm. And if you do, oh my God, it's like a whole different game. It wow. is not only more challenging, but it is so funny. It is so heartwarming. The, the, the battle mechanics are almost completely different. Whoa. It's amazing. It's one of the most amazing ideas I've ever seen. That's so cool. Uh, I got a, a decent amount of this um, of this information, you know, pouring over some videos last night uh, and and doing my own, you know, research. But um, I think the last couple things I want to say before we really dive into, uh, you know, your personal history with the game and your thoughts on it, whatever you want to share, mm -hmm. are um, that uh, obviously Toby Fox was the you know the developer the publisher of this game the designer uh, Temi Chang also uh, did a lot of artistry work as well um, and he Toby Fox composed the music um, mm -hmm. which will I'm I got some stuff to talk about for the music later it was um, released for Windows and uh, Mac OS X in September 2015 uh, ported to Linux in 2016 eventually released for a PS4 and the Vita in 2017 and the Switch finally in 2018 and now it's like available just about seemingly everywhere um it is also considered this isn't just like uh, ari's not the only person who loves this game this no, was no, is no, considered one of uh, is a very special game one of the greatest ever um for many of for almost all of its parts are just regarded <laughs> as incredible from the music to the the combat system we've already gotten into the characters the dialogue 
Um, and uh, what do, can you actually tell me the only thing I have a question about, because uh, it didn't come up in my research, but I'm seeing it here is how is this is did Toby Fox is he the person behind Delta Rune as well? Yes, yes. Okay. Yes. And they're yeah. related, but how? Yeah, that's it's still not a hundred percent confirmed, but my interpretation is that Delta Rune takes place in an alternate world, presumably one where the monsters and humans never had a war. Okay, gotcha. Interesting. And because Delta Rune's still in progress, right? Yep, yep. That one's released in uh, chapters episodically. And it's also amazing. There's only wow. two out, but I could talk about that game just as much as Undertale. Oh, dang. Uh, I love I know that the font looks similar for the title. So I've always been like, I think and I've, I've probably it's, heard. Well, it's I don't know the word for this, but it's the same letters. Like you could just rearrange Undertale oh. spells Delta Room. <laughs> I, well, you learn something every day, Al folks. Alternate world. It's yeah, it's crazy. I love that. Um, okay. Well, I think that's enough, you know, just general context of baseline for those of us who maybe have not played this game, but want to hear this discussion. So Ari, um, the first question I have for you is how did you discover this game? I told that story. Oh, wait, you were watching who, the Let's Play. Uh, right, and, right, right. Um, that's that's great. So we were already there. Did you play this pretty soon after that? Was it something you got to later? I I think it was 2015. So I was I was amongst one of the early waves to play it, I think. Very cool. Was it did you play it on uh, PC or Mac? I played it on Mac, actually. Okay. Well, I was a Mac gamer back then. Hey, you know what? That's a very that's a very cool breed of gamer. <laughs> uh, I some might say the ultimate breed of gamer. You know what? I and I would. I want the listener to know that I'm making that statement here on the show now. Um, awesome. Okay. Well, let then let's. We've already sort of you know I feel like gotten some like uh, I've got some inklings as far as what's special to you about this game. But I want to hear from you. Um, when you think of this game, what is the first thing that stands out to you? Ooh. Can I think for a moment? You can think for a moment. You can even name a few things if you'd like. I've never seen <coughs> such good thinking. I want the listener to know. I have no good thinking when I see it, and this is good. Very contemplative. Like what it all comes down to for me is the the final boss fight between your character and uh, Asriel Dreamer, who I would I would need to give a lot of backstory. Yeah, <laughs> and and everything leading up to it is what makes that 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 scene so special. So maybe I should just paint a little picture as Please. to as to what that moment is. So how do I? Where do I start? Okay. So, so after you've beaten the game in a normal run and you do the pacifist run and you've, now you've befriended all the monsters, you've, you've killed none of them. You've even gone on some dates with some of them. Now we're talking. <coughs> oh yeah. A lot of new information is sort of brought to the player that, it's a little it's a little anime kind of convoluted so I'm going huh. I'm going to make it simpler so if anyone's like that's not exactly right it's 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 for the sake of simplicity gotcha it's 
it's revealed more or less that your character used to live no i I actually i further said of one other thing like the whole kind of setting please the story is about your character who you've named kind of like you would in zelda or something has fallen into a world of monsters and you're trying to escape from it okay gotcha as you go along your journey you learn this lore that this this world of monsters is run by a king named king asgore who lost a son this his son was killed by humans the same humans that sealed them into this world mm. and he wants to get revenge on the humans but needs one more human soul in order to break that barrier you are a human every monster wants to be free so a lot of monsters want you dead so <laughs> that they can all be free and go declare war on humans um and that's important you know there's this narrative going on in the world around what humans are and so anyway it's revealed that your character actually used to live with the monsters long ago as the adopted son of that king and queen and you had you had a best friend brother named asriel dreamer and your character get sick one day and their dying wish is to see the outside world and so asriel dreamer like climbs to the surface with you the humans see asriel with a sick kid assume asriel's the one who did it and they kill asriel this is what sets the king into like a like a hell-bent need for revenge but it turns out that the soul of that kid asriel dreamer got put into you remember earlier when I said there's like a there's like a there's like the most fucked up character in the game. Yes. So he's a flower named Flowey. It turns out <laughs> I've seen this flower in the in like animation for the game. Yes. Asriel's soul is trapped in that flower. Wow. It turns out, and this all sounds crazy. It's much more drawn out, but the end of the game is that Flowey gets all of your friends in one place consumes all of their souls and having all the souls he's able to return to his corporeal form as asriel in this like nightmare eldritch like god version Mm. and he's trying to murder you and like using like crazy laser attacks and as it's going on more and more it becomes less cool and more like remorse as he's at this point in the game too, the game mechanics are no longer just game mechanics. It's like the physics of that world. So he's he's screaming at you that he doesn't want you to beat him because when you beat the game, he'll never see you again. Mm. And so he's like firing lasers at you while crying intensely. And it's this really heavy moment. Yeah. Um, I should say prior to that, like when this fight starts up, the game, you know, goes from this once very monochrome kind of palette to just bursting with color and playing Mm -hmm. this incredible rock song. And I'll tell you that I have done MDMA a handful of times in my life. Mm -hmm. So I'm aware of what the physiology feels like. When I played that stage in the game at like 4 a.m. in the morning on my computer, 
the exact same physiology came up, meaning my brain was just pumping serotonin into my system. Wow. I just, yeah. Uh, I, in fact, you know, I, I earlier today, I rewatched that whole fight to just kind mm. of remember what went down and it happened again. I got like a little, like, wow. I felt really like tingles everywhere. My eyes were swelling up. I'm like, Oh mm. yeah, this, this, this funny feeling. Yeah. So <laughs> you, uh, you know, you, after um, sparing Asriel's life, as you spare everyone else's in the game, he, uh, you know, he, he gives you a hug. And it's like this, this like lost, scared little child who once seemed like this giant, like yeah. apocalyptic space goat who was scary in like this very colorful abstract moving field is now this tiny pixelated little goat boy in this completely blank canvas who's just scared and misses you mm. and i'm gonna go on kind of a i can go on many side tangents here but this entire scene i can talk about in so many ways i can you could you can look at it from the perspective of trauma you can look at it through the perspective of IFS. You can look at it through the perspective of Buddhism. Many people have written all kinds of long essays about this game because it's so crazy and abstract in its message. Yeah, that's th that is continuously rewarding, it sounds like, too. There's so much you can continue to get out of. This is just one scene we're highlighting here. Yes. And that's really <laughs> impressive. It's, it's, it's the main one for me. It's yeah. that I've all, I've never played the genocide route and I do want to talk about that later, but I, you know, because I've never played it, I, um, I can't talk about it so in depthly. I think it's existence is incredible, but I imagine for some people, their moment might exist on that route. Yeah. Um, very cool. Uh, so you you said you played this in 2015 or like right after that i think it was 2015 where were you you were you already living out here in la do you remember anything about your like living space or your life i'd love for you to paint me a little bit of, of a picture i can do that i actually think though that most of what resonated with me about that game had to do with much more of my early life actually sure whatever you want to talk about well, so let me first sort of talk about what IFS is for a second. This is going to be a tangent, but it's all going to sort of come back around, I hope. Go That's for it. Hope. We'll get it there. <laughs> IFS is a type of therapy I've been recently interested in that sort of asks you to look at your mind as a series of parts mm. as opposed to like a mono mind. Mm. And it's very conventional to look at those parts as playing protector roles or as being exiles. So many people have parts of themselves that they've had to put away and that, and there are other parts keeping them away. Hmm. So those are the protectors. Um, and that's essentially kind of what trauma is. I mean, very basically, you know, part, you know, parts of yourself from the past that are stuck and not allowed to move forward. Yeah. 
And it's very common that those parts are childhood parts. So the image of Asriel's childhood part being freed finally by you, the player, and accepting him is such a great metaphor mm-hmm. for how that kind of therapy works. And I think it resonated so much with me to see this tiny, sad, lonely child at the core of this monster because throughout college, I was an asshole <laughs> to a lot of people. And it's because I had a lot of unprocessed trauma from my childhood that I just didn't even know was there. I don't want to make excuses, but I, yeah, I, I I don't know if you've ever seen the Steven Universe movie, but there's a part that just fucking punched me in the gut where mm. this character who was abandoned by her friend um, later says crying to like, you know, the reincarnation of that character who she's been trying to like attack and hurt throughout the movie. I don't want to hurt you. I just want to be your friend. And that's what Asriel is he's this character who's been consumed by nihilism and he's trying to like throw everything at you the player and make you feel discouraged and hurt because he actually doesn't want you to leave his life yeah dang so i i mean i didn't process any of this when i played under sure (laughs) when that scene happened i just i fucking cried yeah hard I didn't that's know heavy. why. I just thought it was an incredible scene. Yeah, that's is it's really funny sometimes when a game can touch you like that and you're like, "How how is this possible?" <laughs> like this is like I was talking to someone I feel like I cried playing a video game recently and my girlfriend I think asked she was like, "Have you ever cried playing a video game?" and I was like, "Uh, yeah, like last week." <laughs> <laughs> so it it's it's really cuz sometimes they can be really special and impactful like this moment that you're talking about. Yeah, I remember talking about it with a friend of mine who uh, does not know anything about video games and at Mm. the time uh, didn't want to know anything about video games. And uh, she just started cracking up when I told her I cried at the end of this (laughs) game. And I was like, it had an amazing story. And she's like, she laughed harder. She's like, it wasn't even your accomplishment. It was the story. And it's like, why I'm, do those I'm, have to be mutually? I'm exclusive? gonna, I'm gonna out your producer. Jeremy Schmidt was in the room, and he didn't, he didn't back me up. Jeremy, if you're listening, we're gonna have a chat, pal. Mm. It's okay. I, I knew where Jeremy was at. <laughs> I think I, we're gonna make this about Jeremy now for a second, I suppose. But I think at that time, I don't think he was playing many games. I think because. This is in the dark age for him. You know too. what? I don't want to fucking spill his tea all over this. You could talk about your stuff when you want, Jeremy. Yeah, he'll he'll uh, insert him just doing a quick monologue here in the podcast <laughs> that we won't hear. And now it's over, so we're back. So he cut that in and out. I left you those in and out points, Jeremy. You should you should be really thankful for that. Um, that was insightful, dude. I'm uh wow. Yeah, uh, beautiful man. I don't think I, I've. Ever- I thought I, thought I poured what, my heart out, but that was raw. I was going to say, Ari, I didn't think anything could top it, but I think Jeremy just did. Woo! Incredible. Um, uh, so did you? were you tying that back? Or were you just thinking about your own 
you know, your own childhood and like that sort of stuff too, with, you know, being, you were talking about your college experience and were you just seeing the connection there between the game and how you felt in your life? In the moment, certainly no, but I, but believe, later, I believe that, you know, mediums can have a psycho spiritual connection with you that you don't know how or why it's doing that. And I suppose that's maybe the magic of, 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 of art or of stories. And, you know, I had, I had hinted at something I wanted to talk about. Maybe now I can try to, which is I, I had said that there was a story going on that the monsters had that like, Oh, humans are bad. Um, King Asgore is good. We need to kill all the humans. Mm-hmm. I, I want to, I feel like stories are a huge part of this game. Oh, you know what? I'm actually bypassing something more important that will make this make more sense. Go for it. We should talk about the genocide run. Oh, yeah, by all means. Yeah. So for those who don't know, the, the story that I sort of summarized is called the pacifist run, where you don't kill anybody. The genocide run is the opposite of that. It's where you kill everybody. You go out of your way mm. to kill everybody. And it's very unique and it's very dark. Can um, you even, um, are there characters you can interact with in this game that aren't encounters like battle, I guess battles that you could do that to as well? Or are there not really those kind of characters? Uh, could you ask that again? Like, are th- is every character you, you interact with in this game a potential battle or no? Oh, oh no, no, not like, I, I guess shopkeepers aren't. Gotcha. You know, so you're, like that, you, and you're not necessarily killing them. You're just killing all the, the characters you get in a fight with. You know, so I had mentioned that if you, um, if you even play a normal route, you, when you get to a town, they'll be vacant. Yeah. Um, if you, you know, if you're going along, like, like a route to get to a town and there's all those monsters if you if you don't kill them they'll be in the town and you can talk to them and they're super funny (laughs) great um that's such an interesting detail that can make the experience so different for you oh yeah but if you're playing the genocide route it's even creepier there's like i think there's i think there's like no music even it's just like even more liminal oh my gosh yeah so what's what gets more interesting like there starts to be a lot of unusual commentary characters will say different things to you and they'll even be aware of how many times you've reset the game oh wow yeah it gets very creepy i'm trying to think of some really standout points around this um essentially so flowey that character i talked about Mm -hmm. yes asriel he has a very a series of very unique conversations with you talking about how when he started to first sort of develop who he was, he, you know, he sort of developed this nihilistic groundhog's day kind of life where every, the days would just reset over and over. He didn't really know what to do with his life. He would just start killing people for fun. And then, but it it just stopped being fun um jeez and because it could just reset it it had no consequence like a video game honestly yeah so most people who 
play the genocide route, usually do it after the pacifist route because they're thinking, man, that was amazing. That was so good, but there's no more game. Oh, there is more game. There's more content. Yeah. Well, let, let's do it, baby. And this game really puts you in the question to be like, why do you need more content? Like yeah. these were your friends and now you're killing them. And you're saying, well, cause it's a game. It's not real. And that is the conversation that I get really interested in. That's when it starts to become like this weird metaphysical question of, well, what are you calling real? Are you saying they're not real because they're made up? So is everything, buddy. Uh, earlier, I talked about the idea of stories being important in Undertale. Like, you know, the, like mm. we all think, you know, the king killed the, you know, sorry, the humans killed the king's son. We got to kill the humans. There's a book called Sapiens that has this idea that humans are the only animals that have stories. We are, we are very unique in that sense. And huh. everything kind of around us is a story. It, it's probably more helpful if I call it a concept, but like, Money's a story we all agree on. <laughs> is money in a like deep cosmic sense real? Not no. really. <laughs> yeah. So I'm 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 kind of I'm kind of going on a lot of tangents right now because this game is very hard for me to coherently piece together. It's a lot of the concepts that you're discussing, I feel like I feel normally when playing other games as well. Um, like I don't want to do like, there's plenty of games that give you an option to choose or like be moral or unjust or in the mass effect series. Like you have like a whole morality scale for how you operate throughout the game. But, and you know, we know that that doesn't affect your, as far as we can tell your life outside of the game at all. You mm -hmm. playing that in fact, for some people is like, Oh, I can do crazy stuff in like Grand Theft Auto because it isn't real to me. But I, and I think a lot of people still will feel a little um, apprehensive at times when doing mean stuff or like killing characters in video games. Like I, for example, have you played Chrono Trigger before? No. Let's just say there's a character in the game. You have the option to keep around or not. Hmm. And I... First of all, I wanted the character in my party, so that's why I kept him around. But you have the option to say goodbye to them permanently. And I still had a hard time doing that to this evil character. So it's – I don't know if this is going to help you you know, regain your train of thought at all. It's just interesting that not only do they do this in this game, it, and it feels like a bit of a focal point. If That might even be an understatement. Yeah, no, that, that, that actually helped put me back on track a bit. That's um, nice of you to say, even if it wasn't true. No, it was. <laughs> at least for a moment it was, and then I got nervous. <laughs> <laughs> the um... You're gonna, I want you to do some editing on this episode, please. <laughs> Jeremy, you're like, <laughs> I'll just say, I'll just tell him when this is at, when this is happening. Thank you. You bet. 
I've got to find my train of thought back here. I was going somewhere with this and I totally lost it. Was it still around the the same issue of like uh, what things being like, what is real or, you know, like it ha- what difference does it make sort of thing with the, you know, being able yeah. to, the yeah. pacifist run, the genocide run? Yeah, I had it for a second. Keep keep asking me questions. You yeah, really you were because you were saying like that a lot of times people will you know play their first run through the game uh, doing the pacifist run, um, which is interesting to me because if you don't know that that's coming, how like do people just pivot midway through? It it brings up an interesting question, I guess. If, or if you're like me, like if I were to play this game, which I will at some point. How would I be able to play it not doing the pacifist run, knowing what I know now? But mm. um, you were discussing like that oftentimes if people do that, they will then go and do the genocide run after because it's a right. whole different game. And Okay, I think I know an area I can take this. Cool, go for the, it. The game to me in some ways can be seen as sort of a commentary on nihilism. Okay, is, interesting. Because you had said, and I agree to an extent that – you can play a game and be removed from it. I certainly play Grand Theft Auto the way is conventional, which is yeah. <laughs> fuck everything up. But I think Undertale questions that heavily. So I was saying the game could be looked at as sort of a critique of nihilism, which is just, we know you, you play this game thinking it's not real and my consequences don't matter. Nothing matters. Who cares if mm-hmm. I kill these fictional characters? And we sadly do live in a world where people think that about our actual material reality or what we make of it anyway, where they think nothing matters. Yeah. Like who cares what I do? And they do some fucked up heinous shit. And I'm of course not trying to say that someone who plays undertale like that would, you know, will commit heinous crimes. In fact, that that's maybe the weird sort of, that's the hard thing about, the genocide route which is that the content in there is deeply interesting and deeply challenging Mm. why people want to do it but man it really punishes you for doing that and really sort of makes you question what were these characters for you because i certainly really loved them by the end of playing the pacifist run is my need for I'm bringing it back. Remember when I said I had that, like, that sort of craving for, like, the game mechanics? Uh-huh, yes. Do I really have to get my fix to kill these fictional characters that I loved? Yeah. Jeez. That's nuts. Um, That's yeah, this, my it, interpretation, anyway. It's, it's interesting, though. It does bring, like, reg- I guess regardless of where someone might land on the, on the idea of you know what matters of being you know making a moral choice in a game or like in this game specifically like killing killing an enemy or sparing them um it's so interesting to me that we can feel feel this those feelings of apprehensiveness in games of apprehension and but this game makes is just it 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 makes it such a focal point it's really and it is obviously had a powerful impact on a lot of people including yourself so yeah i i tend to really like mediums and art that talks about that art existing in sort of a real space that may Hmm. not be our material reality 
but like Doki Doki Literature Club is a good example of a game that like is again sort of making you feel really bad for the yeah. conventional way you, you treat these fictional girls. Uh, mm -hmm. There's a there's a production by the artist Porter Robinson called Worlds that's sort of an homage to just how much video games and anime just meant to him growing up and the sort of through line of that in some way that those worlds are real to him and i don't know why that message feels really important to me to not trivialize even if you don't want to take it literally which i'm not saying you should but i think it's disrespectful and even damaging to just think of art as this self-contained thing and not a response to what's happening in your life and also not an effect of what's happening in your life. Yeah, that's interesting. That makes me just like look at the, you know, the art that I'm attached to, whether it's a game, a movie, an album, what have you, and be like, why? And like, and see that there could be a, a like, the connection there is maybe deeper than I might look at it, which is often just, I'm like, Oh, it's a surface level connection I have with this, this game or what have you. Um, so that's really interesting too. Uh, I remember being a kid and asking my mom how old SpongeBob was and her just immediate response was he's not real. And I was just <laughs> offended. I just felt so offended by this answer. First of all, if anyone asks you how old SpongeBob is, find a good answer. Don't tell them that he's not real because SpongeBob's real in our hearts, truly. Uh, that is really funny. And you should have been offended, truly. Um, sure, your mom's a lovely person, but how dare you, Mrs. Grab? Uh, that's, that's so interesting. Um, it sounds like there's, you know, a bunch of, like, uh, many aspects of this game that you... Uh, like are enamored with uh, i do want to hear from you a little bit on if you'll humor me on the uh the battle system and at least when you're you know you're dodging and avoiding attacks i because i've got to see some examples you know watching various videos over the last few days and preparing to talk to you but does that stay fun throughout the game do did you have a favorite version of that i'd love to hear just a little bit from you on anything you have to share Sure. I mean, I think they speak for themselves. I don't think I have a particularly sure. hot take, but it certainly is unique. Uh, hmm. It's maybe my favorite RPG battle mechanic. It's, oh, cool. Yeah. You know, dodging becomes a series of bullet time, not bullet time, bullet hell events where, and, and they're all very unique. You're essentially maneuvering a little avatar of a heart away from all these different I animations love that. trying to hit you. <laughs> Some are very funny. Some are incredibly trippy and cool. Um, and some really play with the space uh, and start to sort of break the fourth wall a little bit. Like characters will like throw away your menu items or like a little dog might come and take one of them away. <laughs> uh, it, gets, it gets very fun. Oh, that's cool. Oh, I love that. Um, My favorite one, um, you fight a character named Metaton. And that one's very hype because before that point, that system is entirely defensive. You're just mm -hmm. moving your little heart avatar away from these bullets. And then suddenly you get to that boss fight, your little heart turns yellow and it can shoot bullets. And you're just like, Ooh boy. Oh, that's fun. So that was a cool moment. Oh man. Um, 
I love that. Uh, something that I just want to bring up that now that I, I think my brain is like processing a lot of this as we're talking about it, but is this, um, you know, we've already talked about it a lot is the connection of like you to the game and the, and how it can make you feel, um, and feel responsible for the choices you're making. Um, it's, and there's, I mean, it's, I think Toby Fox has probably talked about this and it's, it's impossible not to make the connection to a game like earthbound, but that game is one of the, I mean, I feel like you can look at a lot of RPGs and be like, I feel tied to it. Like Chrono Trigger, you can name the main character after yourself or whoever you really want. And then I'm like, I'm Chrono and these are my friends. But more specifically in Earthbound, a game that has influenced this heavily, um, that game did that on more of a, I don't know what what level, but uh, a, a much bigger level for me or in a bigger way in the sense that it's like there's there's points in the game these are minor minor spoilers for it but where you get past a certain difficult part in the game and the game tells you to keep going and it's like you can do this like you can get there uh there's a part in the game where there's like some i don't even know how they did it with the sound chip but essentially at the end of the game i think it's at the end where there'll be like a voice uh clip that just says like i love you and that game really goes out of its way to be meta and uh and like peek behind the screen at you and be like i know you're their player uh this is earthbound yes in the way that it seems like this game took to an entire like it it did that to the nth degree and seems to be one of the more special parts of it hmm i haven't I've always wanted to get through Earthbound. Uh, and what I've played of it, I thought was very charming and cool, mm-hmm. but uh, too much of a grind for me. It's a, it. it really is a grind. That would, I would, if if you could give Earthbound a, a full remake or a remaster, and uh, there were there would be a few aspects of that game that I would soften, including, the, I could talk about it for a while, but sure, sure. I love it, but I would understand how someone would not or not or like would appreciate it but not want to play through it because yeah yeah um I, I have my own version of that there are games that i'm like look i will i wouldn't blame you if you couldn't get through this but it's yes. pretty cool if you can yeah i have the more and the more the games that i love age the more the, of those fall into that category <laughs> yeah. uh deadly premonitions one of those for me okay i've, I've never played it uh but now i'm it's gonna wacky. have to because you brought it's it up wacky um ari uh there's i'm sure there's more that we could talk about this game so i want to leave a little space because i don't i'm not going to make us move on but i do want to know from you uh before we sort of put a bow on what this game means is there another aspect of the game you haven't talked about yet that you'd like to shine some light on Hmm. whether it be the music the art style just throwing out a few blanket ideas for you if there's anything that sticks out I want to make sure I mean it. I don't want to just yeah. jabber on about totally. And no is a perfectly acceptable yeah, answer yeah, too. Yeah. By the way, the listener, another visual thing they can't see is Ari is wearing a really great uh, Smash Brothers shirt where it's the Smash logo, but in the pieces of like the four parts of the logo are the different logos from all the games represented. It's great. Is that a is that like from Ultimate? Do you know when this one was made? 
Um, Speaking of which, I see the Earth from Earthbound, I think. Don't and, know when it was made. I'm trying to see if it has any specific IP that's only in the, Ultimate. Yeah, that's like new. Uh, I can't. I'm not recognizing I don't anything. Think so new. I don't know. It's hard to I, say. It was, but... it was right around the, the like right around that time when oh, I got okay. the shirt. So I have no idea. It could have been like <laughs> a day before Ultimate for all I know. Yeah. Well, cool either way. I love it. Thank but you. I was sort of Thank just you. buying some time in case anything hit you. Nope. Only distracted me. You've only made this go longer. <laughs> Yes. Um, yeah, but hey, I will also offer up to you, my friend. If nothing comes to mind, I would love for you to put a bow on, you know, what this game, like just, you know, why you brought this game on today. Yeah, let's, start, let's, just, let's put a bow on it. This All right, I love any it. any longer than it is. <laughs> let's put a bow on it. I mean, as, as you've seen, it's so hard for me too. I, I, the game has so many things to say. Yeah. And that's what's, that's what's so powerful about it is that it says so much without being on the nose. It's very mm -hmm. abstract, but if I could try at least for me, I think the game is about our relationship with stories and reality mm. and how they shape each other. That's awesome. And uh, you've sold the game to me. Sometimes I'll tell you, and I won't say what episode specifically, but sometimes people come on to talk about a meaningful game to them. And I'm like, this is fantastic. And I'm happy for you. And I'm never going to touch this game. But this is one that's been on my radar for a long time. And even though I know a lot of the big spoilers about it from talking to you, but also might doing my own research, like mm -hmm. I'm still going to play it. So Ari... We're not quite done with the episode, but thank you so much for sharing about your relationship with Undertale. That was, I really appreciate it. It was an honor. Thank you for listening. You are so welcome. Um, well, I will go ahead and lead us into our, uh, our patented, not really, post-show segments on the Call Me By Your Game podcast. Um, the first of which is the Fact Me By Your Game segment, where I just share fun facts, trivia, Easter eggs, uh, development history, all sorts of stuff with my guests. Um, normally, I at least do two of these things. A hilarious thing happened as uh, the last part of my research was looking up fun facts to share with you. My Google storage actually filled up. It's been threatening me for months that I uh, my storage is, is filling and I'm about to run out of it. And I guess that literally happened today because it now is, it, after I put one fact on the sheet, it didn't let me make any more edits to this document and I cleared mm -hmm. some space, but it said it might not take effect for 24 hours. So I have one fact for you because it's all okay. I got to write down. Um, and I have this fact titled Mario Paint Lives. Now, many of the songs in Undertale were made um, in, in, for in a couple interesting ways. A, for use originally in other games uh, or were using interesting uh, samples or sound files. The one I want to highlight today is that uh, there's a song in the game. I believe when you're fighting one of the there's I was looking at some character sprites. It's one of the one of the dogs. I think the one that's like got some armor on, maybe like a tall neck. It's like a corgi mm. looking dog. I know, I know what you're talking about. It's called uh, the song is called Dog Song. Uh, very, very creative name. Um, but that entire song was used, uh, was made using the Mario Paint soundboard from the actual game, which is. Have you ever dabbled in Mario Paint at all? No, I'm aware of it, but never touched it. It's also something that I think if you would have been the right age for it as a kid, especially being, you know, such a creative person and animator, Ari, that would have been like 
your jam, but we were just, it was just a little early for you and me. Um, I had Mario typing. So, oh, hey, you know what? Uh, the, and the words permitted on this man for this, for this man, if only you could see it, listener. Um, so that's unfortunately the only fact I have to share with you uh, about Undertale. Um, I didn't know that fact. And I've, you know, hey. I've, I've scoured the internet for facts on this game. So you found a good one. I love it. Uh, hey, we, we had one and we made it count. And the, the next segment that I'll move on to, the final one of the show, are the game recommendations. Now, at the end of every episode, Ari, I uh, give my guest recommendations uh, based on the game that they brought on to discuss with me. Um, it's a the way that I force a tie into the movie Call Me By Your Name, for which, of course, this podcast is uh sort of named after just because it was a clever title i thought Um, the movie was named after this podcast you know it's uh no one can definitively say um but i will tell you they uh knew i was going to come out with this years before i did um Mm. so the way i'm going to treat undertale i'm going to look at it as your army hammer your passionate summer love of course you being timothy chalamet in this uh and at the end of that movie spoilers uh they don't stay together as a romantic couple um they eventually move on so i'm going to treat these wrecks as um potential new flings for you that each have something in common with undertale and i will see what you think about these the first one that i have for you first of three is that if you want another thoughtful modern rpg i'll go ahead and recommend a game that i've played about an hour of chicory a Colorful Tale, which was a brand new game last year. Have you heard of this at all? I have not. I would definitely recommend. So I make recommendations on every episode. I never expect my guests to look them up and play them because oftentimes they're on consoles. My guests don't have. But you can play this on Switch or PC and probably other stuff too. Check it out. I think you might actually be into this. You play a little dog who uh, you are literally just like coloring the world. Uh, the world loses all its color. You're coloring the world, and they get into a lot more stuff too. All um, right, that sounds cute. Um, so that's I'll, a. I'll look into it. That's a that's a serious one there. Um, if Ari, you know, there's a couple of iconic characters in this game: Sans and uh, Papyrus, the two skeleton characters. If your takeaway from Undertale was you just like skeletons, I do like skeleton boys. Then I'll recommend to you playing Medieval. So that, that that's your second recommendation of the day. And Undertale, for your final recommendation, is, we've talked about it a lot, it's a subversive video game, it's a subversive RPG, it's very meta, it takes conventions of games and RPGs and turns them on their head. It holds a mirror up to gaming and turns it it upside down. It really does. But what if, Ari, if you just want an RPG that does the opposite of that, it's as straight down the barrel as can be. I'll go ahead and recommend to you a game that a lot of people actually don't like, and that's Final Fantasy Mystic Quest on the Super Nintendo. It's as dumbed down of an RPG as you could possibly get. (laughs) So there we are. Um, So again, I'll go down the list. Um, If you want a modern, thoughtful RPG, Chicory, A Colorful Tale. I actually think you'll like that one. That one sounds like like It's the only one. (laughs) If you just (laughs) like skeletons, medieval, and if you want an RPG that is just straight down the barrel, Final Fantasy Mystic Quest. Uh, that'll do it for the game recommendations. And Ari, that'll actually bring us to the end of the show. Um, so before we go and plug and replug everything that, that we'd like to, uh, thanks again for doing this. Long time coming. I finally gotcha. You All got it took me. was 
doing the video games and comedy shows 200th episode. Um, <laughs> so thanks for being here, pal. This is a blast. You're welcome. Thank you. And for the listener, you can check out my animations on youtube.com. It's just my name, Ari Grab. Uh, please watch Bento Banana. I think I talked about it a little bit earlier. I teased little, it, yeah. but that series, it's not done, but it's it's about procedurally generated anime characters. And it's also a question of the validity of their reality. I love so, it. So clearly this theme means a lot to me. Uh, and if you're just like, that sounds pretentious, but this guy is kind of kind of neat. What's he about? I, I'm on Twitter. I tweet. I'm, I'm humble about it, but, you know, I got some solid tweets. You There's some give, good ones. I've liked a, a few of them, too. I've, thank you for the likes, my friend. You're they so welcome. mean more to me than they really should. <laughs> Isn't that the reality of social media? Are you um, at Ari underscore grab on Twitter? I think so. Either way, I'll put a link in the show notes so that the listener can just click a link to your channel to watch uh, anything you do, including Bento, and then also your Twitter. Thank you very much. Yeah. When was that it for your plugs? Yeah, I don't. I don't, don't got to plug anything else. Oh, my improv team hasn't performed in a while. <laughs> I'm barely on Instagram, <laughs> and I don't have anything. Yeah, you know, it's a solid if, if, two. If you then. do one of those two, I'll be like, oh man, thanks. I love it. So definitely check out Ari's Twitter and especially um, his channel. I'll put it the link in the show notes, listeners, so you can just click that. Um, but I'll go ahead and just close us out with some plugs of our own. The cover art, the show art for Call Me By Your Game is done by Glenn J. You can find him and his under, other wonderful work on Instagram at Glenn with two N's dot J-A-Y. Ari, I actually think you probably like his stuff too. Um, right. You can check us out uh, or the, the producer of the show who referenced many times, Jeremy Schmidt, uh, also does a podcast that uh, Ari and I were just on the most recent episode of Video Games, a comedy show, the 200th episode. We were such consummate guests and some other guests on the show decided they wanted to talk about come a lot. Um, but yeah. still, I think still funny. If you want to hear Ari and I make funny jokes, we're still on there. Um, I think we had some zingers. Um, you can um, follow me on social media at Connor underscore McCabe. Uh, and then lastly, again, check us out on Patreon. If you like me, you like hearing me talk to people about video games, you are going to love what you find there. We're over at patreon.com slash super NPC radio. I talked about the monthly uh, call me by your game co-op roundtable episodes. Again, we talked about portal two most recently. Um, but uh, we also have a games club that goes throughout the year for the first half of the year. We covered nine games in the Metal Gear Solid series. And coming up this fall, we'll be covering eight or nine in the Donkey Kong series. So it should be an absolute blast. Um, again, patreon.com slash super NPC radio. And you can see what tiers we have offered there. That'll do it though. For this episode of Call Me By Your Game, we will see you on the next one. <laughs>